This is episode three of Things Teachers Say. In this episode, I interview Andrea Hudson, a middle school teacher from North Carolina, and we discuss Countdown, a game we love to play in our math classroom. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Things Teachers Say. I'm your host, Amy Lee, and I'm so excited to get into this interview with Andrea Hudson. She was so inspiring, especially when we were talking about advice for younger teachers. So if you are a new teacher or you're looking to be re-inspired, hang on because it's a great interview. I can't wait for you to hear it. In my own classroom, the grade sixes are settling in. They're still absolutely lovely. It is so much fun to teach them. The other day I assigned homework. I sent them all home and I said, I want you to ask one of your adults how they use math in their life. It didn't have to be at work or anything like that. Just how do you use math? So the next day they all come back and they're ready to share their stories. And one of my students put up his hand right away and he said, my mom's job is to calculate how much happiness nachos will bring me in my lunch. So we all giggled at that. That was super funny. And then somebody said, So you're having nachos in your lunch today? And he looked at them and said, no, my mom doesn't know how to carry the one. And we laughed and laughed and laughed and we're still waiting on some nachos. Now I teach in a very mixed ability group. So sometimes my students are done quite early and sometimes some of them need a little bit of extra time to work and they prefer to work in the quiet. So I have to come up with something for students to do when they're all done and so that they're sort of not disrupting the students who need that extra time. A few years ago, somebody introduced me to a website called enrich.maths.org. It's a great website. It's got a whole bunch of different sort of math puzzles and problem solving things. And on the website, I found a digital version of one of my favorite TV shows from Britain called Countdown. If you're not familiar with Countdown, it's a game show. You get a target number And then you pick six cards at random with different numbers on them. You're allowed to add, subtract, multiply, or divide those numbers. You can only use each number once. In the game show, whoever gets closest to the target number is the winner. But in the digital version, there's always a solution. And you can show the solution. I let the students use their little tiny whiteboards, or they can use my whiteboard, or paper and pencil, or whatever they prefer, to go up and try to solve the problem. I love that they always end up working together, and they always end up finding multiple solutions to it. It's really great to see that they at first kind of look at it and think, oh no, I don't want to do that. And then in the morning on their way to school, they start asking me, can we play math today? So it seems like a really simple, silly website, but it's really fun. A few years ago, it stopped working on our Google Chrome browser and I emailed the website and said, please, please make it work again. And they were so kind that they stopped everything and rebuilt the game so that it would work on our computer. So I can't thank them enough for that. That website is enrich.maths.org, and the specific web address to the game is enrich.maths.org slash 6499. Cleverly, enrich is spelled N and then R-I-C-H, like enrich. Ah, clever. (laughs) 
Of course, I'll put a link to that in the show notes. And as always, please comment and let me know if you use it and if you absolutely love it. And if you are using something amazing in your classroom and you are willing to share it with us, please leave a note in the comment section on the website or the contact page. I would be so thrilled to have you on the show too if you want to talk about it or leave a comment and say you want to be on the show. I would be so happy to have you. Let's get into this interview with Andrea. She is so inspiring. I can't wait for you to hear it. Hi, Andrea. I am so excited to have you here today. Our first question is super easy. What got you into teaching? I don't really know. It's just something that I wanted to do forever. And I had a slump, I guess it was three years ago. And I was not happy where I was teaching. I didn't like my administrator. She was a great person, but as an administrator, not so much. Um, and so it was one of those things that I considered leaving teaching. And so you download all of the job search apps. And there was nothing that I felt like would satisfy me the way teaching does. Like, I just feel like this is what God put me on earth to do. And nothing else has ever come across the radar that would give me the feeling that teaching gets me. I like, I mean, it's like anything else. You have your days, you have bad days, you have your days that you don't want to get out of bed. But to know that I have, I teach four class groups. So to know that I have over a hundred kids waiting for me every day is motivation enough for me to get. Gosh, how many of us have been in that moment where we're thinking, I can't anymore. (laughs) And we look for something else. And then we go see those kids and we're pulled right back into teaching. What are you doing in your classroom right now that's really working for you? I think that my classroom management is really strong simply because I work really hard on fostering relationships with my kids. I'm a very sarcastic person. And I think that that works well in a sixth grade middle school setting. I've taught second grade, third grade, and fourth grade. How meaningful is building those relationships for you? I just, we do a lot of team building the first month of school. I work really hard in the beginning. I'm almost like a drill sergeant. You know, it's, I say the same thing at the same time every day just to get them used to my routine because I'm a very type A person, I'm very regimented. And I think once they get the idea that Number one, I have really high expectations, and number two, I'm not going to lower them for them. Then we can start, you know, joking around a little bit. I just try to get personal, I guess, in a way with them. I I want them to first understand that they're there to learn, but I also want them to know that I'm there for them and that if they have a problem, whether or not it's school-related, that they can come to me and we'll work together to get them a solution. It might not be something that I can do to help them, but I can at least point them in the right direction because middle school stinks sometimes and it's hard. And I know that it was hard for me. So I just want to make that transition for them easier. Yeah, that transition is so tough for some of those little guys. You know, I really commend anyone who is able to communicate to the kids. I have structure, but I have fun. And oh, I think you're doing a great job there. What advice would you give to a younger teacher or to yourself as a younger teacher? Um, I would say find a teacher friend that you trust 
um, with everything. And I was really blessed. I, when I came, when I began student teaching, I taught, student taught with the teacher who became my mentor. And so I graduated in December and I was blessed enough to step across the hall into a second grade classroom. And my supervising teacher was my, now my mentor. And the first two years, our classrooms were almost carbon copied. Like if Kristen did it, then I did it. And about midway through year two, I started branching out on my own. Year three, we had a new teacher to our team and it just wasn't a good personality fit between she and I. And my principal called me in and she said, look, I want to send you to third grade. And I said, yes, I'll go. Thank you. And she said, I'm going to send Kristen with you. And I was like, awesome. So then we both were sent to third grade. And in third grade at the time, you were, uh, uh, what's the word? I forget. But we just taught math and science. And so she taught math her way. And then I went more into flexible grouping and doing a lot of stations and all that. And we both got the same results. And so I think that's kind of when I started to come into my own. But I would just tell a new teacher, like, it's okay if you don't know what in the world you were doing your first few years. I mean, I would really just focus on surviving. I mean, if you can't, don't focus on surviving the year. Don't focus on surviving the month. I would just focus on surviving day by day. And if you need to break it down until just surviving until lunchtime, then that's what you do. But just don't be hard on yourself. It's so easy to look at someone who's been teaching four or five years and compare yourself to that person. And there's a lot to be said for just learning. I think if you're a good teacher, you never stop learning. I'm always on Instagram and Pinterest and just looking to see what I can bring to my classroom to do better. And I think if you're going to be a good, solid teacher, never stop learning. You never stop beg, borrow, and stealing from your peers if you see something that's going good. And it's okay to have a day go bad. And that's something that I've been doing this 12 years. Like, I still struggle with. I still struggle with having a lesson flop and feeling like, crap, that, I thought that was going to be really good. And what did I do wrong? And so just maybe having that friend to go to and reflect that you were know, really excited about this lesson and it just didn't go well and so to bounce ideas off of each other that's something that I've tried to do I've been at three different schools and so within the first month or two I try to find a, a teacher bestie that I can really confide in and that I can trust and we can help each other out because I think that that's important there's you know there's that cliche saying there's no I in team but two heads definitely are better than one when it comes to teaching even if it's just for sanity you know sanity purposes gosh I love everything you just said. I could not survive without my teacher bestie. And, you know, we are our own harshest critics. I just think that you summed that up so beautifully. And thank you for sharing your experience in being willing to accept another teacher's guidance and then branch out on your own. Now that you're a veteran teacher, is there a favorite lesson you have? I don't know that it's a particular lesson, um, but when, when we do our character study unit, we do literature circles, and I start literature circles around Thanksgiving break, either leading up to Thanksgiving break or after Thanksgiving break, just depending on my pace for the year. Last year, I was really slow, but I just kind of bring everything in. I bring 
plot in. I blame, I, we focus heavily on character and conflict. And I host the book tasting the first day. And I set out anywhere from 8 to 10 different books. They only get to sample five. And they have to, I found this great foldable on Teachers Pay Teachers where it's, they have to see how many chapters or pages are in the book, who the, what the title of the book is, what the author is. They have to open up and do a random read. They have to write a summary of their random read. And then they have to rate the book from one, I think I did it from one to seven. So one is I hate it if you put me in this lit circle group, I'm going to die. And then seven is if you don't put me in this lit circle group, I'm going to die. That's how I explain it to them. And... It's funny because the first round or two, you see them following their peer groups and they want to read the books that their buddies read. And as they get into the book, it never fails. I always have one or two that say, Miss Hudson, I hate this book. And I'll say, well, you chose it. You know, that's on you. And they're like, yeah, but I chose it because my friend chose it. And that's not a good idea. And even though I have that talk with them at the beginning, it never fails. I always have a handful that do that. But then... When we do our next round of literature circles, they don't choose their buddies books. And what I love about lit circles is they have a choice about their reading. They're still reading for a purpose. They get to talk about their reading with a group. And I just see that fire ignited in them. And the reason I started so late is because I need to know that they can handle me saying, okay, this is, you have to get X number of pages or X number of chapters read today. I need you to sit down. I need you to focus. And when they come in to me at the beginning of sixth grade, they're not maturely there yet. So that's why I wait. I wish I could do lip circles, you know, all year long. I do have a basil that my district has that I may teach three stories out of just so I can say that I did it. I'm kind of a rebel, I guess, in that aspect. But when they leave me and they go to seventh grade, Every single year, I have kids that come back and say, Miss Hudson, they don't do lit circles in seventh grade, and I miss doing your lit circles. And I just get excited about because they do. I want them to get excited because you know as well as I do that sixth graders come in, and the first thing they say when they find out you're their reading or their ELA teacher, they say, I hate reading. I hate it. And then when you tell them, you know, you have to meet X goal in reading, they roll their eyes and they fall out of their seats. And then once I start lit circles, that changes. They find an author or they find a genre that they're more excited about. So I think that's what I look forward to every year. If I can just get through the beginning of the year, you know, procedures and all that, then we can get to the lit circles and we can really have some fun learning. That sounds awesome. <laughs> Is there something in your classroom that you could not live without? My classroom library. I could not be an ELA teacher if I didn't have my books have never found like a good checkout system like I've done the cards and I've done signing up on the clipboard and I've had the classroom library manager and it's inevitable my books walk away every year and I used to get super upset about it and then I'm like you know what if that book is going to a kid who's gonna read it then I'll get another one at a yard sale for 50 cents whatever so I'm going to try, I saw this link on Instagram about, I think it's called Book Source, and I'm going to take an old laptop that I have, and I ordered a scanner from Amazon, and I'm going to go in in the next few weeks and scan all of my books and have a classroom librarian every week, and we'll have a designated checkout time. We still go to our school's media center, 
but if they finished a book in between media center trips, then I'm going to try that. And then we are one-to-one with Chromebooks, and I do 90% of my classwork in Google Classroom. And that's just because, you know, budget cuts come down the line, and year after year, our paper and copies are limited. So I love being able to shoot out a Google form for tests or quizzes or a thinking map or something like that that they can do in Google Drive. I don't have to log tons and tons of papers. I just take my laptop and it's all right there. I just click on the class. I can go in and grade. I can give the suggestions to them. And so I'd say those are the two things that I couldn't live without because selfishly, Google Classroom makes my life easy. And then the books because I just want the kids to have access to as much as they can. Access to books is so underrated. I really love what you're doing. I'm going to go find some links and I'll put them in the show notes so that it's really easy for others to steal your idea because I think this in-class library scanning, having an in-class librarian idea is absolutely fantastic and totally stealable. (laughs) What are you reading right now? I brought five young adult novels home to read over summer break. Um, I have a little boy who's 13 months and my daughter will be three in August. So don't really have a lot of downtime. So I set a goal for myself. If I can just get five books read, then I'm doing good. Well, we went to the beach last week and I had, I read two of the five before we went and then I read the other three while we were down there. So I had to go to um, Books A Million and get some books. So the one I'm reading right now is, um, Um, words on bathroom walls and it's about a 17 year old boy who is has recently been diagnosed as schizophrenic um he talks about the hallucinations that he has it's really interesting in that aspect about halfway through it um of course there's a young love story there and he is working very diligently to not let his girlfriend know that he you know, has a mental disorder. I'm just trying to read as many books as I can. So when they come to me the first couple of weeks of school and say, I hate reading. Will you tell me what a good book is? Then I've got a bunch in my back pocket. You are amazing. <laughs> that is absolutely amazing that you're reading so that you have something to suggest to the kids. Ah, And I know that both of us discussed outside of this interview that we both really like that young adult sort of escapist novel. We don't really like reading super deep, depressing things that are meant for adults to read. I love seeing the grade nines walk down the hallway and figuring out what my next book is going to be. So they help me out too. Where can our listeners find you? Because you have some amazing things to share. And I think that we all need to follow you on social media and learn from you and be inspired by you. People can find me on Twitter. And my my handle on Twitter is at Y-F-L-Y-E, super, S-U-P-E-R, for super fly teaching. I have an extremely small Teachers Pay Teachers store. Same thing, Superfly Teaching. I am on Instagram as Superfly, I think it's 1010. Yeah, Superfly 1010, Fly, F-L-Y-E. That was my maiden name. I had to embrace it. 
and I am also on Facebook as Andrea Hudson. Perfect. I will make sure that I put those in the show notes. Andrea, thank you so, so, so much for this interview. I have been so inspired by you today, and it has been so much fun talking to you. Well, I just want to thank you. This is wonderful, and I'm so glad that that you are doing this. I know it is going to help a bunch of people, and you know what? If it only helps one, then it did its job. So thank you for doing this. I look forward to seeing who else you talk to and getting some of their viewpoints and stealing some of their ideas. Please don't hesitate to reach out for me because I feel like as educators, if we don't have each other, then we don't have anything. I mean, it's really important for us as teachers to really lean on each other, to help each other, and to advocate together. Lean on each other, help each other, advocate together. Andrea, this interview was so much fun. You have given us so much to take into our classrooms. You have given us words to live by. You've inspired us. I can't thank you enough for spending some time with me on the podcast. Please leave your comments and thanks for Andrea at thingsteacherssay.com slash three. That's right. We got a new website. Woohoo! The new website is thingsteacherssay.com and you can leave comments. You can check out the show notes. I'm going to link to anything and everything that Andrea mentioned there at thingsteacherssay.com slash three. This is episode three. So that made sense to me. If you could find any time in your busy day, and believe me, I know how busy you are, but if you could find just a moment to leave a rating or review for things teachers say, that will help other educators to find the show, and I would be ever so grateful. Once again, we have an open invitation to be on the show. Music for the show is provided by bensound.com. I can't wait to talk to you on the next episode. Keep inspiring those kids.